How are y'all this morning? I hope you are doing good. It's a sunny day outside. Praise God for that. But we are still in this season where there's so much that is uncomfortable. There's so much that's different. And so right off the bat, I want to tell you that the title of this message is God with us. We're going to look at the word, but the message is that God is with us through this. And what I want us to do before we go any further is think about things that may be speaking into your mind or in your heart that speak against that. Things that are saying that, that God is not with you for some reason. Maybe, maybe you, you feel distant from God. Maybe it's an issue in your heart. Maybe it's sin that, that has been unrepentive. You, you've, you know, instead of going to God, you've turned to other things in this season. Whatever that is, I, I want us to take a moment and recognize that God is with you right now in your living room, in your home, through this season. God is not far away. God is very present. In fact, I truly believe that this season is a season of spiritual deepening and awakening. I really think that we're going to come out of this season stronger in our faith, and we're going to come back together as a church, and we're going to experience a newness as we worship God through this season. And so whatever that is in your heart, in your mind, I want you to just close your eyes as, as we pray for those thoughts, for that issue, in, in, in whatever that issue is, for it to go away, for the lie to be extinguished. Father, I pray that as we go through this message, God with us through your word, that we would right now recognize the truth. And that is that God, you are with us. Lord, if there is sin present in our lives, we know that you have overcome death and you have died for our sins so that we could be with you right now and forever. And I pray, God, if there's any separation from you, if we, if we feel distant from you, I pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that, that would surround us right now, that we would know in our minds and our thoughts and in, in our hearts that the God who created the universe is with us. He who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. I pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to us as we dive into your word that gives the gospel message, God with us. I pray over every family. I pray over every situation, God. I ask that we would have confidence in you, knowing that you are in control, but I do pray for the strength to go through these difficult times. And I thank you, God, for this church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So God with us is the title of, of this message today. I, I want to go into that. But before, I just want to say, I love this church and I'm so grateful for this church. I've been able to talk to some, but mo most the team has been able to talk to many. And as we've come together every week as a team, as we've been praying for our church, 
We have heard of a lot of incredible stories. We've heard of a lot of incredible stories of people meeting needs, of people going out of their way to, to show up in, in people's lives. And so let's continue, let's continue serving one another. Let's continue choosing sacrifice over selflessness. I also want to say thank you for being such a generous church. These are hard financial times, but this church has continued to be generous and give. And so I want to say thank you. A quick short story is you probably have heard about the care plan, the PPP uh, to, to protect uh, payment and, and payroll. And so we as a church, because churches were included in that payment, we wrestled with the question, should we or should we not apply? And I want to let you know that the conviction that the overseers ended up uh, with was that we were not going to receive that, not because, uh, you know, it's not bad that other churches have or whatever, but it's because we are a family and family takes care of family. And we made that step in faith, knowing that this church is a generous church that provides. And you, Cypress churches have stepped up and I want to thank you and I want to say keep on going. You can give online Cypress Creek Church forward slash give. You can uh, send a, a check to P.O. Box 1357 Wimberley, Texas 78676 or you can drive by Bob and Linda's house and drop a little check at Linda's mailbox if you know where she lives. So there are many different ways but again just hear me say thank you. There are some fun things coming up. You heard it. Parking lot worship is happening on Thursday. And so it's going to be an awesome time where we are asking everybody to stay in their cars. You'll be able to literally tune in on the radio. We'll have a radio frequency set. And that way uh, you'll be able to hear live what's going on. We'll have the band set up outside. So we'll be leading worship. You'll be able to see the worship team. And I know you're excited about that. Everyone wants to see the worship team live. I know I do. And uh, we'll have a time of worship. That'll start at 7 p.m. Invite your friends, invite your neighbor. Let's just come together however we can right now. And that, of course, is, is the best way uh, to do so in this season. And then the scavenger hunt, if you enjoyed that, it's coming back. So on Saturday, we're doing a kids scavenger hunt live in San Marcos this time. So it's gonna be another fun time guessing where everyone's at. So those are the little things that, that, I, that I wanted to feature before we go into the message. A lot of fun stuff is going on. Last thing, if you need prayer, we're praying around the clock. Prayer at Cypress Creek Church. Rhonda and our prayer ministry team have been so diligent to pray for every single one of those prayer requests by name. They are confidential. So go ahead and, and whatever is whatever anxiety you are feeling, the best way right now is just to send that quick email, pray at cypresscreekchurch.com and let's get that um, request sent in so that the team can be praying for you. And then we do have Cypress Creek Care. So if you have a need, if you need somebody to go to the grocery store for you today, just go on the front page of the website, cypresscreekchurch.com or Cypress Creek Cares and say, hey, can I have some help? And then again, best way to reach out so that we can meet the needs of those around us. Also, if you know somebody that needs help, then go ahead, call them out and, and we'll get in touch and I'll be in touch with some of you so that we as a church, because the church is not us on the stage. If there's anything that we've learned from the season, I think it's that the church is people right now scattered all over our community. So let's continue to be the church. Okay, so we've been looking at this diagram from the navigators, this discipleship tool, it's the wheel. 
And we looked at the obedience circle. We also looked at Christ. We, we centered, we started with Christ celebrating Easter and, and Palm Sunday. And, and then we looked at obedience last week. We talked about how we obey because of God's love, not in order to gain God's love. God's love was free. And so that's what compels us to you know, do these spiritual disciplines. And then today we're gonna be looking at the word. The word is what we are going to be looking at today. That's the Bible. For some of us, I know we've been reading the Bible for many, many, many years, and we have been uh, concentrating on it. We, we have been reading it. We've been studying it, and we know it front and back. And, and for some of us, this may seem like a strange book. And so what I want to do today is say, you know, we are all over the spectrum here, and wherever we are, that's okay. Yesterday was a really fun day for the Abaroas. We took the training wheels off of our kids' bikes and Samuel at two years old was just zooming down the street, no problem. Nah, Samuel, he's two, he can't do that yet. Uh, but Ayla and Micah did. And so Ayla, uh, we probably should have taken her training wheels off a while ago because I helped her a little bit, but she got it right away. So she was definitely ready and she was pumped. You know, I started running by her and, and pushing her along and, and then she was off to the races, literally. Micah is two years younger, so it was a little bit more difficult for her. And you know, like kids do, Ayla was saying, hey, uh, you know, Micah, I can ride my bike now. And she was excited. And, and Micah was like, oh, I can't, oh man, you know, really discouraged. And so we kind of had to have the chat. Ayla, encourage your sister. And then Micah, celebrate your sister that, that she's able to do this. And so we ended up, um, I was pushing Micah and she said, dad, can you put my training wheels back on? And I said, okay, of course, you know, you, you, that's totally okay. You'll have more time. And then she said, actually, if I continue to train like this with, with you holding me, she didn't necessarily say train, but you know, said, if, if you continue to hold me and, and be with me, um, can, I, can I try doing that? And I said, absolutely. I'm gonna be right here with you. I'm not gonna let go. And so I hope that we continue to try uh, to have her you know, learn without the training wheels. What is my point? My point is that no matter if you are already riding a bike or a unicycle and playing football at the same time, or you still have those training wheels on regarding God's word, we're all under the same God with the same message that says that God is with us. He is with us. And today I want us to jump in to what this is and how we can engage with it daily. So what is the Bible? Well, I can tell you or I can show you this video. It's about three and a half minutes long. It's the Bible Project. Let's roll it. The Bible. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And 
These prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle. So, there's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand-year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually, they were conquered by the Babylonians, who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the Law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophet's point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now, there were other Jewish writings being produced during this Second Temple period as well. Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures. So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this? Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward. Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead. Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel. Then God continues to speak now. And what I want to look at is I want to look at three characters. I want to zoom into their stories. I want to look at Ezra. I want to look at Joshua. And then I want to look at Timothy. And I want to close by bringing up Bob Moss like we did last week and talk a little bit about uh, scriptures, how we meditate on it and how God transforms us as we read and meditate the scriptures. So uh, Ezra, As you saw in the video, he was a part of the exile period. So he was around in 558 BC. And that was when the people of Israel had been scattered into exile. And Ezra and Nehemiah actually came back into Jerusalem, rebuilt it. And Ezra 
brought back the word of God and it became central in, the, in Israel society at that time. And so two times in Ezra chapter seven, that's where we're gonna be. It says that God's hand was on him. And in verse eight says, and Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For on the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem for the good hand of his God was on him. And here we go, verse 10. For, God, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. So how do we engage with the Bible? Well, let's follow Ezra's example. He set his heart and then he studied and he did it. He followed it. Then he taught it. So I wanna look at these four steps on how we can engage with the Bible no matter where we are so that we can train and deepen spiritually. Second Timothy 1.7 says that, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This verse has been touted many times through this time and it's so good for what we're going through right now. God didn't give us a fear of fear and timidity. He gave us uh, uh, the spirit of power and love in self-discipline. Power and love, I think we can get behind those really, really easily. But it's the self-discipline one that I struggle with because that means consistency. That means training. That means not only on Sunday mornings, not only when we're in community group, all of those things are so necessary and important. But it means that we need to have this self-discipline to train in godly ways. First Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight, Paul is telling Timothy to have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly for physical training is of some value, but godliness has a value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. So as we look at Ezra's example, that's what I want us to, to do. I want us to see how we can train, set our heart, study God's word, do what God's word says, and then teach it. The first step is to set our heart. And, and that I think is the one that most of us miss. We go straight to study. We go straight to maybe going to community group and, and, and getting the word or you bring it to church and, and that's when you read it. Or, or you just wake up early in the morning to have your quiet time and, and you just open it up like, all right, let's go. But it says that Ezra had set his heart before he studied. And, and I think that it's so imperative that we prepare our heart to dialogue with God's very word. In John chapter 14, uh, chapter 16, verse 33, we looked at this verse last week. Jesus is saying that I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, if you are in me, you will have peace. But if you are in the world, if you're focused on the things of this world, you're gonna have trouble. And so when we set our hearts, we wanna set our hearts on the word and the word was God. So in the beginning, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the dark, 
excuse me, the darkness has not overcome it. So as we set our heart, we set our heart on Jesus. We set our hearts knowing that we come distracted, knowing that there's things that we are dealing with in this world. But when we set our heart, it's as simple as just saying, Jesus, you say that in you, we will have peace. You have overcome the world. So Father, we, I set my heart on you right now. As I open up your word, as I read it, as, as I go through it and meditate on it, Father, I look to have your peace. So setting our hearts, again, often is the, it's the first and most important step, but it's often the step that we miss, setting our heart. The second one is study it, read it, and meditate. Joshua lived in 1406 BC, so almost a thousand years before Ezra. And he was fulfilling God's promise that he had given to the people of Israel saying, hey, go from Egypt 40 years in the desert and then you will go into the promised land. So Moses was the leader. He's the guy that that the five first books kind of centers around. And then Joshua starts the Ketavim. He starts the book of the prophets according to the Old Testament. And so Joshua right there, he's the one that's fulfilling God's promise. And we're all familiar with Joshua 1.9 that says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is God speaking to Joshua right before he enters into the promised land, right before he becomes uh, God's person to fulfill his promise and lead his people. But I want to go back two verses and look at what Joshua 1, 7 and 8 have to say and, and how the Bible and the word go into this. So in verse seven, he says, be strong and very courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. So now we're talking about meditating and meditating is actually a word that's been used for a lot of different things. If you think meditating is something like this or, you know, silence, the Hebrew word for meditate is actually more exciting and it's actually more transforming. Here's what that word means. It means to, it actually is the same word, Hagah in Hebrew, that is used for like a cow munching on grass. Not the most spiritual thing you've heard this morning. So, so meditating on God's word doesn't mean just sitting still, clearing your mind. It actually means opening up the word, reading it, and kind of ruminating on it. Why does it say this? What's going on here? I want to understand. I have a deeper yearning to know what God is trying to communicate with me. And that's what God is telling Joshua to do. What is he about to do? He's about to face a lot of different nations that are occupying that land. He's about to go to war. And and the tool that God has given Joshua is not a sword or or an army, it's his word. And that's what he's giving us. He gives us that every day. That's the most powerful weapon that we have, the sword of the spirit, God's word. 
And so as we meditate on it, as we ruminate on it, as we, as we dialogue with it, Lord, why are you saying this? Lord, this is not, you know, what do I need to change in my, in, in my heart? What are you speaking to me? How can I be transformed into your likeness, Jesus? Show me. That's what God is telling Joshua in 1406 BC. That's what he's telling us today. Meditating on God's word is what I want to focus um, as I speak to Bob here in a second. But let me just give you another little tool. Again, this is from the Navigators. They have an amazing resource or an amazing resource just like the Bible Project. This is a season for spiritual deepening. So now you have all of these resources for spiritual deepening on your own. You got the Bible Project. You have the Navigators. Here's a hand tool. And what it looks, what it says is the five different ways that we actually engage with scripture. So when we hear the word, we actually only retain 5% of what we hear. So what I'm telling you right now, you're only going to retain 5%. That makes me feel really useful right now. When we read it, that's the second finger, we retain 15%. So a little bit more. And we read it. You can read it on your own. You can read it out loud. You can read it to your kids. The third is when we study it, when we actually take time to read different commentaries or, or we parallel different translations, stuff like that, we retain 35%. And then there's everyone's favorite, scripture memory. And when we memorize scripture, we retain 100% only if we constantly review it. And then there's the fifth, and that's meditate on it. And that is the thumb for a reason. When we meditate on it, as we hear, we read, we study, and we memorize, that's the thumb touching every single finger that we have. That's when God transforms us. That's what we want. We do not want just knowledge. Knowledge is good. We have this. There's a lot of fun facts. I will lose probably to many of you. I know I will lose to many of you in Bible trivia. But it's not just about knowledge. It's about as we meditate on God's word, when we hear it, when we read it, when we study it, and when we memorize it, that's what transforms us. And that's what transformed Joshua into the great leader that he was. And and that's what fulfilled God's promise so that the people of God, the Israelites, may come into the promised land and be a nation and have a king. And that was David. And then the the temple was built and, and God's very presence dwelled among them. And then there was the exile because of the people's disobedience. There was the exile, but then they came back with Ezra. And then they were longing for a king to come in to bring about the kingdom of God once and for all. And that's what the New Testament is. That's what Jesus of Nazareth came to do. That's what we celebrated upon Sunday and Easter. That's what we celebrate today, that Jesus came. God became human so that we can be sure that God is with us that God is for us. Now, God is for us and, and God was with Joshua. That verse, this is a little rant, but that verse, Joshua 1, 9, I, you hear it all the time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's like a feel good verse for everybody. Like, oh, I feel so good. But really in context, it's talking about God's mission for Joshua. So it's the same for us. Yes, he is with us, but he wants us to go forth. And just like Joshua, he wants us to be about God's mission to rescue and to redeem all of this so that we can propel the gospel message that Jesus came to rescue and to save, that he came to love and not condemn 
so that we can be in reconciliation with our heavenly father, our creator. And that's when Paul comes in. So Jesus came, Jesus died, he rose again. We read in Acts 1.8, Holy Spirit comes down, everyone is scattered. Stephen speaks out, he was one of the disciples, he's martyred, and that even scatters the church more. And so you have different churches kind of coming up and, and Paul, who was an enemy of God, came and he actually came to, to, to bring about the message to not only the Jews, but to all of us who, who are not Jewish. And he is writing to Timothy, here, his student. And he's telling Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that there are people that are going to be about, you know, the ego, the, the selfless, selfishness. They're going to be selfish. But he says, not you, Timothy, in verse 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and what have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so Bob is, is gonna come up here in a little bit. We're gonna set up, we're gonna set up the chairs, but a few things about this, this message. First, <clears throat> I'm sorry, this passage, God came to teach he, scripture teaches us. So scripture teaches us what we must believe. Scripture also rebukes us and, and it rebukes us when we are believing things that are not doctrinal, that are not according to the scriptures. It also corrects us. It corrects the way we live and it trains us in righteousness. And so it teaches us how to live. Scripture is God breathed. And I'm reminded of how God created Adam humanity. He breathed life into Adam's nostrils. He breathed his very spirit into us. And it is that same spirit that created this, that wrote this, so that you and I would know that God is with us. So now I want to look to, to a man who has taught me so much. He's right here, the man, the myth. Well, you're not a myth. You're, you're real. You're right here. Is this a hologram? No, no, not a hologram. <clears throat> Bob, I look up to you because I have seen God's word radically transform you. And so how has God's word been pivotal to your transformation? Wow, that's a big question. You only um, have two minutes. I'm I kidding. Know. No, we have, we have as much time. Ten minutes. Let's say ten uh, minutes. First of all, we need to understand that when we're born into the world, we become a natural person. And we live by our senses, and uh, our senses condition us to see life from a natural perspective. When we are born again, we have a whole new world that we are born into, and we need to be transformed from thinking the natural way to the spiritual way. And so we have spiritual senses, just like we have to natural senses. And so our primary food is the Word of God. But we are born of this Spirit. So when we study the Word, when we hear the Word, when we read the Word, whatever we do, especially memorizing it and meditating on it, we are feeding our spirit person. Mm. 
So you spoke last year, I think it was, when, when you, gosh, preached the entire Sermon on the Mount by memory. So how'd you do that? Hooked on phonics? What, what, do, I need to, what no. do I need to get in order to, 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 to have skills like that? Because that was the most impressive, powerful, one of the most impressive and powerful things I've ever heard from this stage. Well, 10 years ago, I was, at, I was on staff at First Baptist Church in San Marcos, and I heard a minister say these words, whoever speaks should be speaking the very words of God. And when I heard that, it just really leapt in my heart. And I, I thought immediately, I'm going to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. I had never memorized it. So it took me about a year to do it. And, uh, and I've done it. I've, I've done it in a lot of places. I used to go down to the courthouse in San Marcos every Thursday night. And I would just go walk around the courthouse speaking it. And I went over to Seguin to their courthouse. I've been to numerous courthouses around the country, around the counties, around us. Anyway, so I, I've been, I, I've had this in my heart. And two months ago now, we were at our staff meeting. And Rhonda, she, she didn't remember where it was, but she spoke the very same passage that that pastor had spoken. And it just, just like it did with him, it just really jumped in my heart. And it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. So that I, uh, it, it took a tremendous amount of effort, but the effort uh, was nothing compared to the reward that I get from meditating in the Sermon on the Mount. So we started memorizing scripture then. I started along with Bob. And so let's talk a little bit about that specifically. You want to tell everybody the tool that we've been using? Oh, my goodness. um, How we can start to memorize scripture. I've been memorizing scripture ever since I started following the Lord. But Jose introduced me to to an app for my iPhone. and Millennial right here. Guilty millennial. I know. And... And it's the most incredible tool you will ever find for memorizing scripture. It actually has games on it that enhance your process of memorization. And um, so what I'm doing now, I'm working one-on-one with many individuals that have it in their heart who want to memorize scripture. And I'm, I'm just walking with them through the Navigator Topical Memory System, because that's the very first uh, tool that I had uh, to memorize scripture. And this app just happens to be using the Topical Memory System as the primary system. So I would just encourage anybody, if, if they are serious about memorizing scripture, you can just email me at Bob Cypress Creek Church. Dot com and let me know and I will I will do whatever I can to help you get started. That's Bob is on Zoom. Bob is on yes, Zoom. So um, the app is called Verses, 
And I actually talked to one of the developers of this app, and he has said that their usage and their downloads have doubled during the season. And that just goes into exactly what we're talking about. The spiritual deepening is happening. This hunger for, for Scripture is happening. It's happening with me. I, I'm not perfect. I haven't met all of my, you know, things. But, but the, the key is to review, right? Yes. So yes. really important question. What is better, note, ca- note cards or, or the app? Uh, well, once you get the scripture memorized, the, my system I learned from Scott Crenshaw many, many years ago, and it's basically you, you review it once a day for seven weeks, once a week for seven months, and then once a month forever. Wow. And it's, it's a wonderful system. But the key to retention is the review process. Yeah, and I have found it um, cool because usually I'll mow the lawn with, you know, listen to a podcast or something, but now I'll find myself actually just meditating on the scripture and Amen. repeating it, uh, which is just not Western culture because more than ever, we're relying on apps, we're relying on technology to remind us, uh, and so we're losing a sense of, of what it really means to, to memorize scripture. So we're going to continue this conversation tomorrow on the podcast. So if you haven't already checked out the Conversations podcast, Bob was on last week, Bob will be on this week again, and, and we'll talk uh, a little bit more about the hows and, and you know, the, the nuances about scripture memory. Bob, is there anything that you'd like to say to, to close? Oh, just thank you for showing me that verses app. Hey, thank you for showing me how to memorize scripture. That came first. So this is a fun season. Again, we don't do this in order to, we do this because of God's love. We can't prove ourselves to God. We can't earn our way. And it can very easily fall into that, into acts and, 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 uh, you know, trying to earn our way. But, But we do this because of God's love. And it actually transforms our minds and our hearts. So, um, well, let's close in prayer. Worship band, come come back up. Bob, thank you so much for sharing with us. And as we continue from here, uh, we're going to look at prayer next week. But really, I want to encourage all of us to take up our swords. Whatever you are going through, whatever you are experiencing right now, this is the most powerful tool that you have. This is the most effective weapon to combat anything that you may be experiencing. And best yet, it's not meant to be read alone. It's meant for community. So parents, let's be talking to our kids about God's word. Let's be sharing God's truths. I love the videos of, of the little ones uh, sharing about, you know, or repeating the, the scriptures that they've memorized. And let's continue knowing that God is with us, that that he is for us and he wants us to be about his mission in this time. And so let's pray together for strength and let's pray um, together as we go from here. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray that as we engage with it, that we would be like Ezra who set his heart first to study it, to do it and to teach it, Father. And I pray that we would all have uh, the, the strength to be disciplined so that we could be transformed. That's the end goal. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We don't want to be you know, Bible thumpers or, or any of that. We just want to be more like you, Jesus. And you've given us your word. And so we're grateful for that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking 
to us every day. And we thank you that if we don't think that we hear you, all we need to do is open up our Bibles and read. It's your word to us. I thank you, Father, for every family. I pray your blessing over them. I pray for every individual watching. And Father, we go forth from this place knowing that you are good and that you are with us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.